FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome in, folks, to the third episode this week of the Believe in FCS football podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, former long snapper from the University of Rhode Island. Joined by Jack Fitzpatrick today of JMU Sports News to talk a little bit about JMU. To say welcome to the family, but also it's perfect timing because everybody's freaking talking about JMU right now. Yeah, it's uh, kind of insane that we're we're used to being, you know, the, the people that everyone talks about. Um, but this is in a very different way. Normally it's about how we lose to Villanova and we fall from, you know, third in the rankings to last or... We throw it on the two-yard line against North Dakota State in the national championship. <laughs> um, but instead, this week, it's all about fun belt. Here comes JMU to the fun belt. That's that's where I'm going. That's where I'm excited for. So I, I think we need to jump into that first because it, it's not even we're, we're not even at the level where it's just FCS fans talking about it. There are <laughs> national college yeah. football commentators and writers that I keep seeing JMU needs to join the Sun Belt. Or like if I'm the Sun Belt and after we lost all these teams – they need to call JMU, and it sounds like that in, that interest is there, and it, it seems like yeah. it makes a lot of sense for it to happen. The two conferences that are in need of teams at the moment are Conference USA and also um, the Sun Belt, like you've mentioned, and it seems yeah. like we might have that path for JMU, kind of like Old Dominion when they moved up from the FCS. It, it, do you think the Sun Belt is going to be the, the most likely destination? Yeah, so Jeff Bourne had a press conference earlier today, and it was for Basketball Media Day. And, you know, of course, with all these rumors swirling, the first question was not about basketball, but the <laughs> the whole athletic communication staff, you know, tried to get it back onto basketball. But he opened up saying kind of they want a stable place for a long time. And with that being said, you can kind of – I mean – you look like the it's always sunny in Philadelphia guy with all the lines trying to draw the conclusions. <laughs> and if you're looking at everything, um, I think Sunbelt is where they're going to go. And if they go Sunbelt, ODU's coming with them, most likely, according to a lot of the sources, that Sunbelt will go from 12 teams to 14. They'll bring on JMU and ODU for that like geography, for that fit, for that regional rivalry, which will then all put like a death nail into the CUSA. But then on the other flip side, CUSA is trying to court Liberty and JMU to join. And if Liberty and JMU join the CUSA, then Marshall, who's been rumored to leave for the Sun for the Sun Belt, said that they will stay in CUSA. And then in that case, ODU would stay. It's all a crazy, crazy thing. But if you're talking stability, if you're talking long term, Sun Belt looks like it's the place. They have Coastal, they have App State. Um, if all this happens, they then have Marshall, and then you have ODU and JMU and ODU is not the best program. We all know that. Uh, but, you know, they have the resources. JMU has the resources. And you would assume that then that North, East, whatever division that they would then separate into would be a, probably a pretty good, you know, pretty good division in the Sun Belt. Yeah, and I think out of any team, JMU definitely makes the most sense to move up. And I always get asked that question. People always want us, Sean and I, to talk about it on the podcast. I don't even think you really need to look further than James Madison because the, the way that they have progressed their program in the last decade has <laughs> kind of pointed all signs to doing that. I, yeah. I remember the two times I played at James Madison. It, it was like stepping into locker rooms and a stadium similar to Central Michigan and Ohio. 
that is a really quality program that they've built. And that's usually what you need, the backing, the financial backing. You also need certain stadium sizes to compete at that level. So it seems like JMU, it, it makes a ton of sense. It's just a matter of like you said, what's the most stable and, and conference USA that does it's, not look like the most stable. No, it's it's a it's a dumpster fire. I mean, what they lost Charlotte, UAB, what, FAU, I think so, six mm -hmm. teams or something like that to the American, and now the American is just CUSA rebranded. Um, <laughs> but like you were saying, yeah, JMU's been pumping money into their athletics program. I think they're top seventy-five in terms of spending on athletics um, across all of Division One, and I believe. Even right now, they would top the Sun Belt. They spend about $60 million a year on athletics. So that or their revenue in is like $54 million. So you would assume that they're probably also spending around that amount of money. So it's it's insane. They're ready. They should be going up. And if they don't go up, they need to really look at their budget and cut some things and and kind of have that reckoning with themselves. If if they're not going FBS and they're staying in the CAA. I think there's there needs to be some reckoning with that budget, but all signs point to them jumping. It'll be disappointing to see them leave because it's 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 been nice having a, a dominant team in the CAA, but I'm I'm sure that there will always be that one squad that will fill in behind them as we've kind of seen with the Yankee slash CAA conference. But uh, talking on the Sun Belt though, before we we get into discussing a little bit of the current JMU roster, do you think how do you think that they would compete in that? Sunbelt Conference because that there's a lot of really good football teams, but but JMU kind of fits the regionality of the, you know more Southern going to be playing some of those Carolina schools, App State as you mentioned, Coastal Carolina as you mentioned. I, I feel like they could be pretty competitive, maybe not right off the bat, but maybe within a few years of making that transition. I agree 100. You 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 include that they're going to add a bunch of scholarships, so then you're competing in a few years. You can recruit more players, better players. You're recruiting to an FBS school, so you're competing on the likes of Virginia Tech, UVA, who they were kind of, I mean, they weren't winning every single recruiting battle with them, but they they win they win a fair share for an FCS school that's going up against Virginia Tech. Um, but like you said, I mean, there's App State, Coastal, and then with everything going through, then it looks like Marshall will be there, ODU will be in the same place as them, Georgia State and Georgia Southern. And I mean, Coastal's just lost App State last night, mm -hmm. But both Coastal and App State are, are good programs on the rise. But I think JMU can compete. They're probably not winning the Sun Belt for the next two, three, four years. But they're definitely in the discussion. They might be bowl eligible. They, they might be able to, you know, what's it called? Not um, not compete for a bowl, but qualify. Qualify, yes. I was yeah. going to say, yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck in FCS world. I'm just used to playoffs. But if they right. can qualify for it, they'll probably be able to qualify for a bowl in two years or something very quickly. Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. It, it, it's a competitive conference, which I think fits with what JMU is, is trying to get. They're not going to get that invite, obviously, from an American-type conference. Definitely not that, nothing outside of the group of five, but the Sun Belt, I think it just it fits. Here's a hot take. I think the Sun Belt right now is better than what the American has become. I mean, the I agree. The American just took on... I mean, they got they lost UCF, Houston, Cincy. They're their marquee names, their marquee brands, they're going to lose their ESPN deal. And then all of a sudden you're bringing on, no offense to the teams, the six teams they brought on, they have the potential, they have the backing. But like Charlotte football doesn't move the needle. UAB football yeah. didn't have a program, what, four years ago. And But granted, they've won the CUSA now like three years in a row. But I don't know. I think the Sun Belt's better than the American as of potential moves. 
Yeah, and you have to also consider here that the the Sun Belt's a lot more competitive. The, we we had that game last night, which was a, a last second, really exciting game. They've got the whole Wednesday night thing going on, so people were tuning into that game because it was yeah. exciting to watch, and it was between two really strong former FCS programs. And the people that are fans of those programs are obsessed with those football programs. I think all those things definitely makes it better than the American. The American is has just been this this fake Big East that has just been <laughs> cycled in and out. It, it's always going to be the conference that people move to and then move out of. It's just go. It's just going to be the case. Yeah, I mean Cincinnati moved in into it, and now they're going to be at what a right. Big Twelve. I don't even. Rem- I can't even keep up with all of it. But they're they're I moving think, to the Big Twelve. Yeah, so they're going to be a. Yeah. So, I mean, all that stuff. So SMU is what their best team followed by Mike Houston led ECU pirates. Like, come on. And Tulsa was good for a year. It's yeah. You got Mike Houston, uh, former JMU coach uh, at ECU (laughs) who hasn't really done a damn thing, but that's a separate issue. (laughs) That's a a completely different podcast. We can get into the Mike Houston stuff. (laughs) I I will say, I can't wait to see if it ends up happening. JMU actually, it's going to happen. JMU outperforming Eastern Carolina, and then Mike Houston's going to be saying to himself, "Man, why the hell did I leave if this was if this was going to happen?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might not even have a job after by the time JMU gets to the Sun Belt. Uh, if we're being honest, yeah, there's that's quite possible. I've only heard <laughs> negative things, if I'm being completely honest, from current <laughs> players there. So I uh, will we'll save that up for. Uh, another day, but I, I want to get into talking about this current roster before I do though, folks. I just want to really quickly tell you about bet online, bet online remains your number one spot for all of your basketball and football action this season. Head to uh, their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe 50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right now. Uh, or sorry, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for you in the 2020 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so Jack, I, I want to discuss this current team because it it was very newsy that JMU lost to Villanova in the fashion that they did. A team that I think has always been deemed untouchable. But we're at this crossroads here at the beginning of the or midway through the FCS season, rather, where these teams at the top are are completely beating up on each other. And it's not really like there's a clear cut. Number one, we're going to be having this debate until we're in Frisco. But I want to get into that loss first before looking ahead to this Delaware game coming up. It was a rough day for Cole Johnson, who I don't even think he went over 200 passing yards and. That, his inability in my eyes to push that offense when the run game isn't working has been always a problem since he took over as the starting quarterback. Do you agree with me on that? Or are you, are you more supportive of, of uh, Johnson? Well, my, my support of Johnson has gone up and down and it's in the up stage right now, but when he took over, I was excited for him. And, but even before he took over, he led JMU, I think it was against Villanova back in 2016 when they went to the national championship. Ryan Shore breaks his collarbone. Cole Johnson steps in, wins the final games. They lock up a seat. Um, so we're all in on Cole for all those years. We expect him to be the next great thing. He starts last season, and he doesn't have velocity on his throws. He's not looking sharp. He's not making the right reads. Kind of turnover prone. Ends up getting benched against Elon. And we're all out. We all want Gage Maloney. Um, and then... Jamie has a COVID kind of shutdown in the middle of the season, then 
Gage had to be benched because he was a close contact and Cole took takes over again and then absolutely balls out. Um, and then the rest is history. He had a playoff tear that was one to remember. Then he starts this season pretty good. Um, they put up 55 against um, Maine. They take down Weber in Ogden, which Weber is nowhere near the team we thought they were going to be, mainly because of quarterback injuries. But still, you go out to Ogden, that's the furthest West Jamie's ever played, and you kind of beat them down. 37-24 final, but a lot of those points for Weber come in garbage time. And then he looks a little shaky against UNH. A couple bad mistakes, a couple turnovers. The offense starts to sputter. They win by two. Then against Villanova, he really struggles to move the ball. Then even against Richmond this last week, they get into the red zone four times, and they just can't punch it in. And he gets sacked a few times on the goal line, so kind of on the downswing of Cole's support. But at the same time, he's still the sixth most efficient quarterback in the CA in the FCS and first in the CAA. So how, how upset can you be when he's still putting up efficiency numbers that are just absurd? Yeah, his 70% completion percentage is a, is a bit odd to, to look at because you're like, when he plays against good opponents, that doesn't really necessarily show up. He's one of those guys that's always just going to beat the crap out of a bad team when they play him, which is what we saw early on. Yeah, and I mean, when you have Antoine Wells and Chris Thornton, it's right, right. Easy. And, and it, it, it's also worth noting if we're talking, I, I wish there was advanced stats for FCS. I so wish there were, but if we're talking like a dot average depth of target, JMU's running probably like five, six, seven yards, a dots to Thornton and Wells. So he's not having to complete tough throws to the sideline, 25 yards down the field. Yeah. You can get it to him five yards deep. And then there it's kind of like the undercuffler a few years ago when he has two all CAA wide receivers and we all think he's really good. And then, um, we realize that he's not. That's another. <laughs> I guess that's another podcast too to get into Albany and their struggles. He's uh, he's no Ben DiNucci, but you know, speaking on this team, I, I think everybody knows that the identity is on the defensive side of the ball. They're like Mike Green and, and some of those talented players that they have, they, they've always been so good defensively. But what I want to unpack is when this team is in the playoffs, which is going to be a playoff team regardless of what happens the remainder of the year. They have the roster to, to be a playoff team. Yeah. But if what do you think JMU fans and teams that have to face JMU should be maybe worried about, and, and, and more so for the JMU fans? Like, What should they be worried about that might hurt them come second or third round when they're facing a really, really tough opponent like a South Dakota State or a Sam Houston or an Eastern Washington? We don't have to bring up Sam Houston. The The memories of last <laughs> season are still fresh. Um, Bennett and I over on the Jamie Sports News podcast talked at length about it this week. It's their red zone inefficiency. They've only scored on they've only scored a touchdown on 51% of all their red zone trips this season. They had four red zone trips against Richmond. They didn't score a touchdown once. They had six red zone trips against Villanova. They scored four times. I don't remember what the split between field goal and um, touchdown was they did miss the two field goals there late to win it, um, but that's the that's the key. They they can they're gonna put up yards between the twenties or until they get to the red zone really zero to the twenty. They're going to put up yards, but then when they get into the red zone, can they convert it into six seven points rather than three every time? Because when you're facing a CAA CAA schools who don't have quarterbacks, I mean Joe Mancuso's out, Nolan Henderson's out next week the best quarterback they face here on outs Davis cheek. That's not really going to hurt you that you can't necessarily convert your red zone trips because the defense is going to hold them and you can win 19 to six. That's fine. But when you're playing South Dakota state, when you're playing Eastern Washington, when you're playing Sam Houston, which 
who knows if they might actually get until the semis because of the way the FCS playoffs are set up. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be the problem. You can't rely solely on defense and you can't rely solely on the run game because there's going to be times when you need to convert in the, the red zone. And not to be too long-winded with this answer, Kurt Signetti's kind of inability to be aggressive. There's two plays late. You're up 11. They kick a field goal when they're on the nine-yard line. It was fourth and goal inside the 10. And you kick the field goal there. And you only go up then 14. Analytically speaking, that makes absolutely no sense because if you punch it in for a touchdown, you then go up three scores and you you essentially ice the game. Um, so he needs to get better with his analytics, but that's that's it, yeah. I, Kurt Signetti doesn't really seem like a, an analytics guy just from oh, no, he's, limited he's a interaction. He's a three yards in a cloud of dust type of guy. And it's, it's, it's exactly. <laughs> and, and so this uh, – this JMU team, you're talking about some of these offensive issues. They're facing a Delaware squad this weekend that is, I would argue, elite defensively. They're probably a top 15 defense this year, uh, and I don't think that's too much of a hot take. But they're without Nolan Henderson. Nolan Henderson, uh, since they lost him, they've taken a complete total nosedive. They've really struggled, and it, it's kind of a head nod to how good Henderson is and how good of an FCS quarterback he is. Probably not much better than that. This upcoming weekend, do you think against Delaware for this matchup, do you think, JMU, this is going to be an easy game as we've seen Delaware struggle? Or do you think like maybe they could get caught a little bit off guard because they're struggling to move the ball? No, I, I, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I don't want to get too you know big in my britches about it, but Delaware's coming off a, a – they got destroyed by Stony Brook. Stony Brook's one of the Man. worst teams in the CAA. And their defense allowed a 99-yard touchdown, which is going to inflate some of their stats. But, I mean, I think they allowed over five yards per carry. It kind of got torched. Wow. Um, but, granted, that is really inflated because of a 99-yard touchdown run. Um, but, I mean, Stony, yeah, Stony Brook just 34-17. to 17. That's that's a bad loss. Even if it's on Long Island, as they say, I, I just – I don't know. Without Nolan Henderson, that team kind of becomes anemic on offense. Mm. I have to say that that trip to uh, Stony Brook is easily one of the worst traveling trips because of the the stupid ferry that you have to take. Okay, I was going to ask. (laughs) People always bring that up. They're always like, Stony Brook is such a tough place to play. That in New Hampshire. Why it's not hard? It's not hard to put UNH makes absolutely no sense because nobody goes to the football games. It's beautiful (laughs) weather. It is such a nice area. It's quiet. It's calm. It's just. They're a well-coached football team. That's the difference. <laughs> Stony Brook's just a pain in the ass to get to. I don't. No one goes to those games either, and they have nice facilities. But like the the, the bigger issue is just it's it's getting there. You have to take a ferry to get there from most places. Otherwise, it's like a ten-hour trip with all the traffic to get into Long Island. But uh, here we are talking about traffic. This uh, the Stellar game though is going to be is going to be super important for the. Um, for the trajectory of the season. And, and it, I agree with you. I think that, that they're going to beat Delaware pretty handedly. Are there any remaining teams on the schedule that you're worried about at all? So here's the remaining schedule for JMU for the listeners. Elon, Campbell, William and & Mary, and Towson. Um, that's a terrible schedule. Your best quarterback... Towson's not bad, though. I was going to say, your best quarterback's probably Davis Cheek, and there might be a revenge factor since JMU stole Kurt Signetti from them. Um, Campbell's bad. William and Mary, I've been a Hollis Mathis believer forever, but he just hasn't. And Mike London, they just haven't proved anything to me. So I'm about to jump off that bandwagon. Towson <laughs> started slow 
and now all of a sudden they're picking up some good wins. Um, so they might be good. Towson might be a good team, and maybe as the weeks go on, that's over a month. That's about a month away. Um, maybe when it gets closer, I'm more worried about it. But looking at it now, that schedule strikes no fear. If JMU doesn't enter the playoffs with one loss, it's kind of it's going to be a bad look. And the committee will definitely hit them if they lose one one more of these games. Right, they kind of got handed uh, an easy opportunity of a, a Hendersonless Delaware, and they got the one tough game out of the way, which they lost, but they got it out of the way playing Villanova. It's hilarious because they had this stretch: Weber State, New Hampshire, at New Hampshire, Villanova, Richmond, Delaware, Elon. And you look at that preseason, and you're like, Weber State—they're number nine in the country. They're really good. They have a good quarterback back there. He gets injured. UNH is UNH. You said they're well coached. It's at UNH. JMU has weird voodoo up there. They escape there with a win. Villanova, you have Daniel Smith and Justin Covington, two of the best offensive players in the CAA. Then you got Richmond and Joe Mancuso, who gets hurt, and Joe Mancuso doesn't play. Then you have Nolan Henderson, one of the best quarterbacks who gets hurt, <laughs> and he doesn't play. And then you have Davis Cheek just sitting down there at Elon. So, but it's just hilarious that you would look, you would look at this, this portion yeah. of the and you're like, if they can get out of this with one loss or two losses, that's a win. But now everyone's injured, so they have to walk, mop the floor with everyone else that's not named Daniel Smith. Yeah, everyone, I think, uh, JMU fans specifically and, and people who observe the CAA are, are so used to seeing an undefeated JMU team. So it's kind of like one of those things where when they lose a game, it's like, oh, the season's over. It's done. They're they're out. They're, but the it, one loss team is still good enough to make it to the playoff. Especially with the way the top of the FCS is beating up on itself, like you said. Right. They're still very much in play for a top four seed, and if not a seed. Like, they're going to be fine. Right, right. At the end of the day, Villanova might lose one more. Sam Houston probably won't lose because what they're in the Southland and they just beat up on everyone. They're not playing anybody yeah. too difficult. But Eastern Washington might drop one. North Dakota State, don't they take on South Dakota State this week? They might drop that That's one. That's two weeks from now. So they might even drop that yeah. one. Like You just look at it. And everyone can lose one or two more games. And then JMU, not that I'm a homer, they shouldn't lose another game. Right. I th- really strongly believe Villanova is going to win the CAA just because of that the one win that they needed. That was all yeah. they needed was to beat to beat JMU. But plenty of opportunities for JMU to still get back into it. Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on. Where can people f- people find you if they don't already follow and uh, subscribe already? Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a blast. Anytime I can talk JMU and FCS football, I will jump at the opportunity. Which might not be for very long. In, in a couple of months, you might be talking with the big boys, the FBS guys. <laughs> yeah, soon we'll go to the Believe in FBS football. Believe in Sunbelt right. football instead. Um, yeah. And you can find you can find me and JMU Sports News at JMU Sports News. We also have a website, jmusportsnews.com. And you can follow my weird football takes at FITZ all the way. So... All right. Thanks, Jack. Uh, folks, make sure you check out all that stuff. And uh, if you're rooting for the Dukes this weekend, make sure you give them a follow. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.